I found out about this opportunity to do Airbnb and short-term rentals without owning the property. And Rob, like that was the light bulb moment. And so as soon as I saw that, I, I needed proof of concept. I went for it, talked to a few landlords, got a yes. Was they making $800 a month on a one bedroom, one bath apartment for my very first one and just went all in. Welcome to the Grid Investor Podcast, a podcast about real estate entrepreneurs, visionaries, and the stories behind the legacies they're creating. I'm your host, Rob Chavez, and on today's episode, I've got Kyle Stanley of The Fearless Investor with us. Now, Kyle and I just got done having a discussion on Airbnb, arbitrage, and co-hosting. And let me tell you, I was blown away. He's been able to create an incredible business without actually owning the assets. Now, he owns some of them, but the majority of all the assets that he has, he has under agreements where he's creating arbitrage and co-hosting along with the owner. So if you thought you needed money to be able to get into the day rental game or the vacation rental game, uh, well, you've got another thing coming to you. Listen in and learn how Kyle has created an incredible business and how he's helping other people do the same. Grid, guess what? Today I've got Kyle Stanley from Fresno, California to talk to us about Airbnbs, right? And when I went online and started doing a little bit of research on you, Kyle was like, man, this guy is like really built a big thing in a pretty fast time, right? And so what I'd, I'd love to do is, is learn a little bit about what your business looks like today. Then I want to go back in time after that, right? So talk to me a little bit about your Airbnb business today. What does it look like? Yeah, uh, long story short, we're in three different markets, Fresno, Bass Lake, uh, which is just outside of Fresno, and then Phoenix and Scottsdale, Arizona. Uh, we have right around 65 properties, um, listings on Airbnb or VRBO or our direct booking website and um, we are doing it in a fashion where we don't own the property. So I think seven of my 65 doors I own myself and the rest I'm either doing essentially what we call the arbitrage model where I lease it and then sublease it, keep all the profits. And that's with the permission of the landlord. Or I actually work with the landlord and I manage for them and we take a percentage of whatever we produce for that landlord. And so that's about... 45-ish of our properties. So that's the majority. And that's where I've found that this business can really grow the fastest. And uh, yeah, what that comes down to in terms of dollars and numbers is after expenses. Um, typically in my pocket, you're looking at right around $40,000 a month and it, to the companies right around the fifty-five dollars to $60,000 mark. Dude, that's awesome. That's phenomenal. And, and, and so I'm going to go back and I'm going to ask you a lot of questions and kind of break some of that down. But what I want to do is I want to go back in time, right? Yeah. I want to go back and figure out how did you even get onto this like real estate train, this journey, right? Have you always been interested in real estate or like t tell me a little bit about your background? Yeah. I mean, I could turn this into a 20 minute story with a bunch of teachings, but I'll, I'll respect the time. Um, I, w I grew up in a family where my dad was a business owner. And if you've ever read the E-Myth, he was definitely the technician, you know, mm. he he was there. He essentially owned a job um, and he had time off during the summer because it was in the education business. But um, long story short, I just kind of ingrained that in myself, but I, I fought it in the beginning. I wanted to be a sports anchor. So I jumped into sports anchoring. I was a, a local TV sports anchor in Grand Junction, Colorado for a couple of years. 
after it didn't take me very long, Rob, after about six months, I was like, okay, I don't like taking orders from other people. <laughs> I don't feel like I have the opportunity to have creative freedom. I don't like being told what my time is worth. So very early on at the age of 22, I found out that I did not want to be a nine to five um, employee. And so I actually started in my own business and that was helping athletes get recruited to play in college, making mm -hmm. videos for them. I was connecting them with college coaches. And um, you know what? It was it was an amazing idea and it was an amazing opportunity, but I had zero mentorship. I had mm -hmm. zero path. I didn't have the guidance. And and so I just kept on justifying it, Rob, by telling myself, well, you know what? I'd much rather much rather work 80 hours per week for myself than 40 hours per week for someone else. And uh, in the background, I was maybe, Rob, maybe making thirty to forty thousand dollars a year. Maybe. How did you? How did you even get that idea? Like, how did, how did that come about? Yeah, great question. It was actually on a vacation with my parents. Uh, my mom, you know, was asking me, "Are you enjoying your job as a sports anchor?" And I was like, "Eh." And she actually said, "Well, have you ever thought about just like doing something on the side?" And I was like, "Yeah, but like, what would I do?" And she said, "Well, you're already filming all these athletes. Why don't you just try to sell some video to them?" that's an amazing idea. <laughs> so, um, that's what kind of started it. Um, the problem with that business was that I created a an unknowingly, I created a ceiling, you know, I wanted to, I'm, I'm all about fulfillment. I still am today. Um, but when I was promising the world, I didn't realize what I was doing was not scalable. Mm -hmm. Um, and so long story short, after getting a few clients, I'm like, I don't even have time to go out and get new clients. Mm -hmm. And so that was something I learned very early on. And then at the age of 26, I heard about this term passive income for the first time in my life. And mm -hmm. I was like, what's that? What do you mean you can make money in your sleep? That's never been modeled for me before. I've never seen that before. I don't think that's possible. And mm -hmm. it was in the version of, you know, a, a multi-level marketing company that I decided to go and, um, you know, work with them. And, and honestly, a lot of people have a lot of negative things to say about MLMs. I attribute most of my desire to want to grow as a human being to the fact that I got around high level people in these okay. MLM were all of them making a million dollars a year. No, were some of them making, you know, $4 million a year. Yeah, absolutely. But mm -hmm. the majority of them were just amazing people and leaders that I was able to say, okay, here's how I become a better human being. And by doing so, I'm going to attract better things in my life, which to me is even if it wasn't that income of the MLM, I was eventually going to attract something into my life that was going to uh, be that thing. Mm -hmm. And so, Rob, this, this time, you know, I'm kind of skipping over a lot of this, but this is really the first about nine years out of college from the time I was 22 to the time I was 31. Mm -hmm. uh, but in 2018, um, I, 2017, I moved back to Fresno from Scottsdale, where I lived for about four years. And the reason was because my dad got bone cancer. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's a death sentence for anyone, essentially. Wait, it wasn't about was he going to live it was about when is he gonna pass away and so um in 2017 I'm, i moved back in 2018 he's basically in hospice at home hospice and i had to tell my entire multi-level marketing team like hey you know i'm i'm just i'm not able to focus on anything except for family right now mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and overnight this you know passive income pretty much like vanished mm -hmm. and and I was just like, wow, this is not stable. This isn't a good foundation. I've built this thing for the last four years, but it just disappeared what felt like overnight. Yeah, when, when the leader wasn't there, it just like, they're just, it just yeah. didn't happen. Exactly. It, just, it fell apart. Yeah, and and uh, 
I don't even think it's necessarily MLMs. I think that's a lot of businesses, right? Yeah. Oh, for sure. Leader just mm -hmm. leaves. You know, there, there's just no guidance. And, uh, and so I just, I, I did a lot of soul searching and I had a lot of time at that point because, you know, um, I was, I was at home and there wasn't much to do except for help my mom and dad when, when he needed anything. So I was just listening to podcasts, reading books, um, couple things keep popping up about apartment complexes and I'm like that sounds great but I can't afford them so how do I go and get them and then this one day uh a fortune builders ad pops up on my Facebook and that if you guys don't know what that is you know wholesaling and, and flipping houses and I went to their free event in town and January 6 2019 I was I was all in and mm -hmm. I was like I'm gonna flip houses I'm gonna wholesale and the reason I remember the date is it was a really significant day I dropped a lot of money to jump into it. You know, when you drop that much money, that skin in the game, that becomes really significant. Get cemented uh, in your brain. Oh, hundred percent. And uh, how much? I'm just curious. How much did you drop? How much did you drop uh, at the top? Thirty thousand. Oh yeah, it's a lot of money, man. Yep. And I was like one of the the lower level people in, in that room. There was people dropping seventy thousand dollars. I know. Like, oh, no way. <laughs> you know? I, re I remember. I mean, just this. This is an aside, but I mean, this must have been a decade ago or or more. I flew to San Diego yeah. for with my business partner for Fortune Builders. And I remember, you know, they, I mean, they they do a great job of presenting yeah. everything. And at the end, they bring you out that sheet and it's like 10 grand, 30 grand, 70. I'm like, it's just a ton of money, right? Yeah. But it is an investment, right? Like, like that's how you have to look. And I'm sure that's how you justify it. You're like, listen, I this is an investment in my education. Yeah. I mean, the way I looked at it is if I did one deal, I could essentially pay for the entire thing back. Yeah. And, um, and, and that's when I created my education system, that's kind of what I decided to is I, mm -hmm. I felt like the, the level of entry was not about how much was I spending. It was how quickly could I get that money back? Mm -hmm. And, and so that's what, how I justified the 30,000 I dropped. And, and just, you know, so, you know, the, the reason I remember January 6th as well is 11 days later is when my dad passed. Mm. And, and it was also legitimately like the day before I was starting a brand new full-time job. I wasn't expecting to get into flipping and wholesaling. I thought I was going to go get a full-time job, start saving money, put it into single family homes or apartments, create passive income and do this for the next 30 to 40 years. Mm. That's legitimately like what I thought. But then when I saw wholesaling and flipping, I was like, okay, I can accelerate that. I can go faster. And again, you know, starting a brand new job the next day and, and then my, my dad passing away about 10 days later, it was just, it was a very crazy time in, in my life. Uh, but how old are we, by the way, uh, with that being in 2019, I would have been 31, 32 okay. around there. Yeah. Okay. Don't let the gray beard, uh, <laughs> throw you off. <laughs> are you married? Are you married? Do you have kids? Uh, get, getting married May 7th. Okay. Uh, well, congrats. Yeah. yeah. Kids coming up. Yeah, exactly. In Gabo, we got, we're counting down the days right now. Okay. Um, but yeah, so, you know, I, I, I signed up for this May or uh, January 6th. I get my first deal under contract, middle of February. It was a quick flip. I just wanted to get the experience. I didn't care about what I made. I just wanted to get the experience. Mm -hmm. Made like seven grand or something like that. I can't remember. Uh, but it, it got me in the game. And that led me to, and I promise I'm getting to Airbnb here, but that led me to my second deal, which was going to be a, a long-term rental. Mm -hmm. I found it, I was going to burr it and the numbers worked out great. And I was like, wait a second. Um, I've been doing Airbnb, by the way, I've been doing Airbnb as a room out of my house for the last three years. That's all I ever saw of it. 
Mm-hmm. Cool. Easy way to house hack, maybe bring in a little bit extra income, pay for the mortgage. And I was like, but what if I were to instead, you know, do this as a short-term rental? What would those numbers look like? Kind of did an ARV on a short-term rental versus a long-term rental. And I was coming up with about two and a half to three times the amount of net income as I would with a long-term rental, $600 versus about $2,000. Like this feels, this feels good. This feels like acceleration. <laughs> I think I can move this a little bit faster than, you know, getting seven, you know, long-term or 70 long-term rentals over the next 50 years, you know? Yeah. And, and so everyone said I was crazy. It's Fresno, California. Who in the, in the world wants to come to Fresno, California? Because everyone was in the mindset of vacation rentals. This is yeah. a vacation rental. This is short-term rentals. Families, businesses, uh, people coming in for family reunions, coming in because, you know, maybe a a week because their house got flooded and they got to move into a different place for a week. These are the reasons that people go and do this. And and it came to fruition. First month, I made right around $1,800 and I was off and running. Um, And of course, that just takes you down the rabbit hole. You know, you just Mm want to learn more, learn more, learn more. And I found out about this opportunity to do Airbnb and short-term rentals without owning the property. And Rob, like that was the light bulb moment. And so as soon as I saw that, I, I needed proof of concept. I went for it, talked to a few landlords, got a yes, was eight, making $800 a month on a one bedroom, one bath apartment for my very first one and just went all in. So, okay, well, me, let me, let me take a step back. Right. Yeah. Real sure. fast. So, uh, you had to go approach some landlords, mm-hmm. right? Step number one, you're like, okay, this is, this works, this worked for me. So let me go approach some landlords. Where did you find those landlords? Were the people that you knew? Was it, did you go on Craigslist? Did you find somebody on the MLS? Like what was, how did you, how did yeah. you start that conversation? Great, great question. So I actually, cause I wanted to build up confidence. I started with uh, leasing agents at apartments because mm-hmm. I knew that it was their job to sell leases. Like if they didn't sell leases, then they're not getting paid that bonus or they're, you know, not keeping their job. So I, I also knew that they were going to have a set of rules. So I was fully walking in there with the expectation of they probably can't, but at least I can get my practice and they're probably going to have some object- objections. I don't really know what those objections are going to be. Let me just go ahead and try this out. And so I just kind of like, you know, it, it's like going to the, the baseball cages and just getting, getting your hacks and getting your swing mm-hmm. and just trying mm-hmm. fully expecting to get no's. Um, got one yes after about the 15th apartment complex that I went to. Wow. Okay. And then um, because I got that proof of concept, then I said, okay, now let's try landlords. The third landlord I talked to uh, said yes. And that was from Craigslist. And mm-hmm. they mm-hmm. were, uh, you know, they lived in the Bay. They were only in town for the weekend. They needed someone right away. They were in an urgent mode. And I went over there, pitched. And the next day they were calling me saying, you know, this feels a lot better than just renting to a regular tenant. I think I'm going to go for it. And, uh, had that same property up until about six months ago when I, it just wasn't performing. So I actually went ahead and offloaded that to one of my, uh, one of the, another colleague here in town. Okay. So yeah. fascinating. Okay. So you, so you said, okay, this works, right? So you then decided to just go all out. Like what was your metric? Like what, what are some of the metrics that you were looking for? Right. I would assume if I'm doing this, I'm thinking, okay, how many, Landlords, can I talk to out of these amount of landlords? I'm going to get X amount. They're going to say yes. Out of that, I know that I need like there's probably like a landlord avatar that a net like eventually you end up landing on. Like 
these kind of landlords with these kind of properties are the target markets that I would go after, right? Like, what did you discover in that whole process? I guess is my question. Yeah, I mean, here's what I discovered even before going into the metrics was that just by doing it, you you learn mm -hmm. exactly what you do want and what you don't want. And so what I learned really quickly was even though it was a low, low barrier of entry, right? A two bedroom or a three bedroom house with furnishing, first month's rent, security deposit, plus consumables. Um, I might be low end, $7,000 all in, high end, $15,000 in. It's a low barrier of entry. But at the same time, if, if let's say I got $100,000 in the bank, which would be a nice luxury to have, I didn't at the time, but let's just call it that. Um, if, if I invest 15,000 and now I'm making, call it $2,000 a month, it's still going to take me about seven or eight months to get all that money back. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to move fast. So mm -hmm. the first three that I got, I would say just so to, to answer your question, I was looking for landlords on Craigslist, on Facebook marketplace, mm -hmm. on Zillow, on hot pads that honestly, they just wanted peace of mind. Mm -hmm. And they wanted to make a little bit more than they were currently making. And so I was able to provide them with peace of mind because, hey, you don't have to worry about getting this property two years later and wondering, wow, what in the world happened to this thing? Like, I've got turnovers happening two or three times a week. If you live in town, you want to come take a look, see if it's in good condition, I'll give you that opportunity. Mm -hmm. And just by giving them that peace of mind, they didn't, none of them actually ever came and took a look. They just were like, okay, cool. It's nice to have that opportunity. Um, so another reason they wanted peace of mind is most people that own a investment house here in Fresno don't live in Fresno. They live in Southern California or mm -hmm. they live in the Bay area. And, and so I was able to essentially quote unquote, be like a free property manager for them because I had the team, I had the contractors, I had the handymen, I had the cleaners, I had the electricians, the HVAC, the plumbing, I had all that. And so they didn't have to worry about taking calls from guests or from tenants saying, hey, here's the issue. So they could go and do their full-time job as a lawyer, as a doctor, as a teacher, and not have to worry about taking a phone call in the middle of the day. So those are the, the, the people that I wanted to help. And then at the end of the day, if they still were like, well, it feels a little riskier, I would say, okay, how about an extra $100, an extra $200 in rent. I'm going to make $2,000 a month on this thing. So what's an extra $100 or $200 out of my pocket? doesn't feel too too uh, tough. That's so, interesting because you're giving them, I, I now see it clearly, right? Because uh, this is, I don't know anything about this space, but I now see, I own a lot of rentals. So I see it very clearly now in my head, right? I'm like, okay, you're giving them guaranteed rent, yep. right? So there's, a, there's some level of guarantee. Are you paying them in advance? Like months in advance, or are you doing it month to month? Like, if that look like? it, it just it's a case by case. Um, case, by case. Okay. Yeah. So I've had owners where we just pay the extra every month, and I've had owners where I'm like, okay, you know, we'll pay the same amount of rent for at, for you as as a regular tenant, but we'll give you three months upfront, or we'll give you four months upfront, just as a sign of good faith that you know we're all in. So you're giving them guaranteed. Right. There's a peace of mind that like these properties are getting turned over. And and I believe like even in the platform, like you can rate guests, right? Like guests can get like if guests are destroying your house, like they could get a bad rating and not be able to be on the platform. So there's a certain level of accountability that happens with that. Yeah. hundred um, percent. Wow. Okay. Yeah. That's pretty, that's pretty cool. Yeah. It's so I, 
you know, one of my students said to me the other day, he was like, and it was the day that he got his first yes, by the way, too. And, and this is legitimately, if you see this vision, like we are the best option for a landlord because, 100%. because we treat that place like our own business. It becomes our own baby. Find me one tenant that is going to treat a house that they're renting like their own baby. It's just, it's just not going to happen. Totally see the vision. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I totally see that. So, okay. So you, you, how long did it take you to get the 65? I'm curious. Uh, we got to 65 pretty much about a month ago. Um, so okay. just under three years. Three years. Okay. Yeah. But so, what I'll tell you is, you know, the, the beginning and kind of what I was getting at there was in the beginning, we were arbitraging. I actually went and owned a couple. Um, <clears throat> I ran out of money. You know, mm -hmm. even though I was making money, it was like, okay, I, if I got to wait three months to go get another property, I got a problem. I could go raise money. Ah, do I really want to start involving partners and, and all those legal contracts? Uh, I could start using Amazon credit cards and put it on the credit card, 0% interest for the next 12 months. Yeah, that's great, but I can only do that so many times. Um, so I, I got to this point where I was like, all right, what, what if I were to be able to have an owner actually furnish the entire thing? pay for all all of the you know just like a property manager they are financially responsible the owner is financially responsible to everything i just take a little bit off the top as a manager and i, and I talked to a couple people like that and they were they were down to try it and that's where i ended up finding out this is actually a thing it's called co-hosting and it's essentially hospitality management i go in i help make the place airbnb ready uh, for a fee, and then we take a percentage off the top of the gross revenue collected every single month, 20 to 25%. And suddenly, I got rid of my roadblock of not having enough money because people were literally going out and buying houses so that they could bring them to me and I could manage them. And that's where this thing caught fire. Now I've got realtors and property managers and real estate investors blowing up my phone saying, hey, I'm thinking about short-term rentals, or I got a client that's thinking about short-term rentals. Can I send them your way? What would they make as a long-term rental versus a short-term rental? And we were able to show them, even after paying me, that they could make after you know their their expenses, their net income could be still an additional, call it two and a half to three times the amount that they would make as a regular rental. And that's that, phenomenal. Yeah, super attractive to these people, and for that reason. Uh, you make one person, you know, they, if they're supposed to make three hundred dollars, and suddenly you make them fifteen hundred dollars, they're gonna. They're your baby, man. They love you. You're you're, you're their best friend, right? Yeah. So, um, are you only doing it in the Fresno area, or do, do you like? Is it like what? What are some of the limitations? Is it fit? I would imagine like you would have to to be a. I mean, is this scalable beyond your barriers? I guess is my question. Yeah, great, great question. So uh, Fresno for the first about 20 properties, uh, we started to bleed into Bass Lake, which is about an hour from Fresno. Mm -hmm. And then we started a new branch in uh, Scottsdale and Phoenix back in January of 21. Um, what I suggest is start deep and then expand wide. Okay. Um, if you can think about it, um, every time I start in a new market, I'm essentially starting a new business yeah. and it takes me about six months to automate that business. A, I have to be able to create the income to be able to pay really good people to take it over for me. And B, I need time to be able to find who are my A-team players. I got cleaners, I got vendors, I got runners, I've got quality control managers, I've got, um, you know, the what's it called? The HVAC, the plumbing, the electrical. I, I need to find all those people who are going to be 
good and say, Kyle, you're going to be the first phone call that I take so that when I do have that teammate that essentially replaces me and becomes the, the Kyle clone, mm. I can say, okay, I've created a great relationship with you guys. Now you're going to go talk to, you know, Kyle, Kyle's clone. And that's going to be the person that takes care of that entire place. So that's kind of how we've done it is we've just created, automated, scaled. And now, you know, the, the opposite of that business I told you about in the beginning, uh, where I was a multi-level marketing and I left and it, and it crumbled. Now we've created businesses with strong foundations that even if I leave, we're still getting leads calling us. We're still growing. We're still in the systems are all being put into place and everything is refined because we built it up in a, in a really great way. That's interesting. I mean, you could franchise that model if you wanted to, or you could like have, you know, co-ownership of a, in, in other markets for that model. Uh, we've expanded our real estate teams that way. Thanks. Uh, so that's fascinating. That's awesome, man. Um, okay. So I, I, I see that to take a step back, there was one thing that you said. So it sounds like the the landlord themselves, they're putting up all the money for all the furniture. So you're not constrained for that by that. And we're just going to say, hey, this is the kind of furniture that we need. I assume you probably tell them what's needed. Or maybe you even create a list and say, hey, this is what you need to buy. They're supplying it. And now you more than likely have case studies that you could just show people like case study one, two, three. Yeah, yeah, and you kind of nailed it right there. Um, when we have a really great uh, performing property, we just literally send it to that owner and say, just try to try to make it like this. But a lot of owners also, I mean, if you think about most um, most real estate investors, right? You know, they're really good visionaries, but they're not always the best implementers. Mm -hmm. And so they would much rather just pay people to do it for them. So we have an interior designer that we started with, and that's where I tell everyone to start. Every day that you're not live on Airbnb, you're losing money. Mm -hmm. And that goes for even if you're doing it for someone else, you need to be making the money as quickly as possible. So it might make sense to pay the extra $4,000, $5,000 in labor to get it up on Airbnb as quickly as possible by hiring an interior designer. Mm -hmm. um, and then at that point, once we really started to scale, we said, how can we now create that as another revenue source for our business? And now we have uh, basically in-house interior design. And you can thank my, uh, my, my soon to be wife for that. She is our interior designer. That's awesome. No, I totally yeah. see that. It's a, it's an add on, right. Yeah. An upsell. Be like, listen, you can do it yourself or you can get hours to do it for you. Here's the additional cost that, that made that happen. Exactly. Right? Would, okay. Very cool. So what, what are the, what are the constraints? What are the bottlenecks? What are the challenges in this kind of business? Uh, Cleaners and good people. So mm -hmm. um, I, one of the number one things I hear people talk about is, yeah, Airbnb is great income, but it's a lot of work. Well, those are the people that they're both the CEO and the janitor of their business. Whether they have one listing or 10 listings, they're typically doing everything themselves. Mm -hmm. They're going to the properties. They're checking on the cleaners. Uh, maybe they're even cleaning sometimes. They're doing inventory checks. They're you know purchasing for for all those, uh, those things that need to be replaced. Uh, they're communicating with the guests, they're doing the pricing, like all of that stuff needs to either be replaced with technology or again, a good, a good teammate. And so um, I find that 90% of the communication and the, the backend work can be automated mm -hmm. through a couple of technologies. So number one, we use Price Labs. Price Labs is dynamic pricing, which if you've ever gone to book 
uh, a flight, you probably have noticed, hey, when I try to book on Monday, it's $300. But when I try to book on uh, Saturday, it's like $350. Why is it changing in price? Well, because of supply and demand. And that's what mm -hmm. dynamic pricing is. So it'll literally automate your entire process of pricing. It'll help mm -hmm. you get more bookings, get higher prices. And if you think about it, you know, what about that festival every year in your town that you just didn't think of or you forgot about? And it, mm -hmm. it, that's getting booked out like crazy. And you lost out on an extra $100 per night because you were trying to manually price. With Price Labs and a dynamic pricing tool, they'll do that for you. Um, so that saves, especially as you scale, that just saves you so much time and headache. Mm -hmm. And then the other side of it is uh, Hospitable, which I really like. It used to be called Smart B&B, where you can just essentially um, set up all of these automated responses to specific situations so <laughs> that you're not having to manually go in there. And especially if you want freedom in this business, like how annoying would that be to have to be checking your phone, you know, while you're at dinner on a date night with your wife? No, we don't, we don't want to do that. We want to have it doing it on its own. And then as you scale and get bigger, virtual assistants become a big part of this as well. So that if that 10% that's not able to be answered through an automated messaging system, uh, you know, that 10% is able to be taken on by a virtual assistant. Man, I love that. Yeah. We own a property management company, and nice. so uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna be passing this info on to Thomas, who really runs that business. He's the CEO of that business. He's gonna love this. He's gonna love this this uh, this episode. So much for us to yeah. learn. On. I mean, legitimately, and and okay. So let's let's talk about that for a second, Rob. So, yeah. as a property manager, you get one property. Um, what ten percent? Is that what you're getting? Man, I wish eight percent. Eight percent. Okay. Eight percent. What's a typical rent? Two thousand. Okay, so you're gonna make one hundred and sixty dollars mm -hmm. for a place that's making two thousand dollars. Now, I, I'm I'm approaching this from two different ways. What what if instead you're getting three times the rent, which is not unheard of. Most short term rentals are going to get two and a half to three times the amount of rent. So now you're talking about fifty five hundred to six thousand, but you're making twenty percent on that instead. Now now you're making one hundred or uh, twelve hundred dollars, and and of course that's before some of your costs, which might overhead might, might, might be two fifty three hundred dollars at most. So mm. you've just literally 8X your, your income. If you can create some systems in house then you've got, you've got an opportunity to be able to, uh, again, the word I love is acceleration. I, sure. instead of me having to go out and get more properties, I can just accelerate my income and speed up my time to my eventual income goal. Is that cost, is that operating cost, like virtual assistance, the technology that you have, like the, the hospitable, like is that, that just kind of fractionally, like you kind of calculate that you'll say, Hey, it's about 25%. Yeah. Yeah. I, for us, our hard costs for running a listing is $350. And the way that we got to that is just a combination of the average of our virtual assistant costs, our employee costs. Um, our maybe losses that we might have just from oversights, um, technology, and um, I'm trying to think of missing anything, but that's the majority of it. But in the beginning, you don't, you really don't have those overhead costs in the beginning because you're the one doing a lot of the work. And mm -hmm. the good news is like Price Labs is $20 per listing, hmm. it's like nothing. Um, Hospitable is $18 to start off and then $8 per listing after that. So these technologies are really low cost. It's more, it's mainly the, the people that can start to add up. And that's why we like the virtual assistant route. Yeah. I, I saw a company the other day that came across my radar and you've got, um, and maybe this is kind of like what they do, like Evolve. Yeah. You heard of like Evolve? Like it's, what's that model? Is it a similar model? 
Yeah, so Evolve is going to promote themselves as managers, but what they really are is just glorified marketing. Um, and, mm. you know, mm -hmm. I, I guess just to give you an, an understanding of the difference is that Evolve can create a great experience, but they're not going to um, be doing any of the, the turnovers. They're not going to be hiring the team. They're not mm -hmm. going to be contacting the cleaners to let them know when to go there. And and that's and that's half the battle. Um, they're mainly going to promote the property, price it appropriately, how they see justified, set up all the automations. They're going to do that stuff for you, but they're going to take about ten percent. Um, and you're still going to have to manage the people and find the people. Yeah, that's the hard part, in my opinion. Yeah. That's that's the hard part. That's the hard part. So. To me, if you're going to go that route, you might as well get a property manager or the opposite way. You might as well learn this business and do it yourself. Yeah, I think that's phenomenal. So you decided that this was working so well for you that you're going to open up, open it up and, and start teaching other people to do this. Like, you know, why I, go that route? Why do that? Right. I'm just curious. The market requested it, you know. Um, I've got a podcast and YouTube channel, The Fearless Investor. Um, it used to be called Fearless Flipping. That can just tell you how my business has evolved. Uh, because when I first started, I was just like, oh, no one's going to want to learn about Airbnb. But I just started dabbling in like, oh, by the way, I've got this place that I Airbnb. And a lot of my audience was just like, hey, tell me more about that. I was like, you want to learn about Airbnb? That's kind of strange. <laughs> and, uh, and then honestly, I started a, a Facebook group called Airbnb Masterminds and uh, just kind of made it as a place to, to learn what do people want to learn about Airbnb. And before I knew it, people were coming to me wanting to know if I had a course, wanting to know if I had a mastermind. And today that Airbnb Masterminds page, still free, is the biggest group in the world for Airbnb hosts on Facebook. We have over 120,000 members in there. Dude. That's yeah. ridiculous. It's crazy. It's crazy. I have no rhyme or reason of why it grew so fast, but <laughs> well, the yeah. market. Well, you said it. The market yeah. wanted it, right? And especially and, with COVID hit, then everybody was like, "Okay, I, I I need to go vacation somewhere that's not a hotel that's close yeah. by." You know, it it exposed man. Great timing. Yeah. Well, yeah, and and honestly, any time I've ever done anything that's worth doing, I've the number one thing I always want to do is, is scream it to the world. It's, mm -hmm. it's, I'm not good at keeping secrets. You know, I, I want to tell everyone about what I'm doing. I want to, I want to be able to show people that they can do it too. And, you know, after like my, one of my very first students today, they, I think we, they started with us about a year and a half ago. That's when I really kind of started ramping up the education side. Um, you know, they're at 16 units today and year one, they gross over $160,000. They netted, it was somewhere around like the 30 or 40% on their margins. Like, you know, and, and this is a guy who's an engineer and his business partner uh, is is a car dealer at a local casino. And, and you know, they both have full-time jobs and able to do this. And, and I'm pretty confident that in year two, um, you know, they are both on track to be able to quit their full-time jobs. And and that's a that's a fun feeling, you know, when you know that you've been able to have an impact on someone's life and, and help them in that way. And and now, you know, we, one of my most recent students joined us three months ago, has 12 contracts on arbitrage and co-hosting. Uh, wow. Signed them that quickly. He had a six-figure business in month one gross, and now he has a six-figure business in month two net. And wow. and that's, I mean, 
again, it's acceleration. It's an opportunity to be able to, to do something at a much faster pace. And uh, when people are asking me how to do it, I, I want to teach them. Kyle, let me ask you, what is the, um, what is the, where could the wheels come off the bus on this thing? Mm. Like, like I, I, I'm sure as a business owner, you're, you're asking, you're, you kind of say to yourself, Hey, like, this is where the wheels can come off the bus, either for one of my students or myself and my business. Um, like what keeps you up at night? Yeah, that's a great question. I think, um, one thing I did not realize is that even if you have, you know, financial freedom, things are still going to keep you up at night. And, and these are some of the things that I think about too. Um, you know, there's, there's, big metropolitan cities that are putting bans on Airbnb. Um, mm. Pittsburgh just came out with something recently. Um, Atlanta tried to do it last year. And now, you know, they're kind of talking about tightening things up again. Um, Vegas and a lot of different places. And that's, that's one of those things that's out of your control, right? That you can't really know if it's going to happen or not. However, there are places like Arizona that have like the state has actually passed a law saying that they are not like no city or no, um, no county is allowed to do any sort of like ban of these. They can only put on regulations, for example, a certain amount of people in the property or a certain amount of, you know, uh, space between the properties so that there's not too many in one neighborhood. You know, there's things like that, that I think you'd want to look for. And especially in places that have uh, a good, you know, I hate to make this thing political, but, you know, in, in red states versus blue states, there's just a little bit more favoritism in the red states uh, to things like this, to opportunities mm -hmm. that you're going to be able to uh, build build a, a business where other people are uh, are owning the property and, and you're able to make money off of it, you know. And so for that reason, I'm, those are some of the things I'm kind of looking at is, you know, uh, in, and even though Arizona just became a blue state as of this last uh, last election, predominantly they've been a red state, and that was part of why I had decided to to expand over there as well. Hmm. Fascinating. Yeah, that that's what comes to mind for me is is regulate. I, I had a friend of mine that owned a bunch in Baltimore City, and then Baltimore yeah uh, imposed a regulations, and it kind of killed that business for him. Um, I mean, he still did he still did phenomenal, but it, it was like man. They moved his cheese pretty hardcore. He had a yeah. lot of them, right? Yeah. And, you know, that's where I also tell people, okay, we, we don't have a uh, an Airbnb business. We have a short-term rentals business. And so... Corporate. What, what's that? You start thinking corporate, right? Like kind of like a corporate route. Yeah. That's and and that's that's kind of the evolution of our business. Like we've we've kind of put a stop on growth right now because we want to refine, we want to make things better, we want to make things safer, and we also want to own our customer a little bit more. And this is everyone gets them to that point in their business where they need to be able to say, okay, I need to stop relying on a third party thing to either define my failure or my success. Mm -hmm. And so these OTAs, these online travel agencies like Airbnb, VRBO, Booking.com, Expedia, these are all the places that you can list your place, but you have to rely on their marketing. So why not start to own your customer a little bit more? They come and have a great stay at your place. They want to come back again at a later date. Give them your direct booking website so that they can book directly with you and realize that they don't have to go through Airbnb. They can go through mm -hmm. you know, www.whateveryourwebsiteis.com. And, and that, you know, we just got off of a, a mastermind call this morning with uh, a colleague of mine who's been a coach in the, the space for a few years now too. And 80% of his 
bookings now are direct bookings. And if you can do that, you know, now you've got a business that can sustain a lot of risk. And that's kind of our next step is we probably get about five, 10% direct bookings. I'd like to be more in that 60, 70, 80% range as well. Yeah. yeah. Where, where my brain goes is almost creating an online lifestyle brand booking place, right? Yeah. Like almost like a VIP experience for past clients. So you convert them into a VIP experience with their own site and their own like I see that. That's, yeah, that's a good way of, of thinking about it. Now you got my head thin. <laughs> yeah, man, they become VIPs. And once they become VIPs, they, they get access to direct bookings and there's something else additional, mm -hmm. right? There's something that's there that, you know, you definitely want to own that. Yep, absolutely. Okay, well, what question haven't I asked you that you think, you know, we should know either about this business or your journey and or your coaching program? Um, well, I mean, here's the thing is that our coaching program is is very much for a specific type of person. You know, you got to be wanting to make six figures in the next 12 months. If you're not there, we're not designing what 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 you are going to want. If you're just wanting to learn how to manage your, your listing a little bit better, that's not what we're about. Uh, we want to take people who, from either zero or one or three to 12, 15, 20 in the next 12 months. And that's what ours is designed around. And so for that reason, it's not it's not a, a cheap entry plan, but just like how it only took me one deal in real estate to make my money back from that $30,000 with fortune builders, I designed it the same way. I want people to be able to make their money back with one deal. And and we, we do that. Um, so. But I, I would also say that the best place to start to see if you are serious about this business is actually on my website, absolutely free, fearlesskyle.com is the name of our website. Mm -hmm. And on the homepage there, there's a free masterclass. It's about 30 minutes long. It's going to teach you how to be able to get your first Airbnb without owning the property in the next 30 days. And honestly, if you go through that and you're on fire and you're going to be getting an invite to be able to, to learn more about our coaching program. And if you're not on fire after that, then, you know, maybe it's just going to be something that you want to go and buy a house and then hire a property management company to do it for you so that you can just maximize your, your revenue. Mm -hmm. Man, I love that. I love that. Um, you find out who's actually serious about that. Who's serious about building a business. Yep. Uh, Cause this is a business. It sounds like it's a great business too, right? It, like the, your startup capital is pretty, um, pretty nominal, right? I mean, yeah. how many businesses are like that, right? It's just hustle and knowledge, right? To a little, a few bucks out of your own pocket, but not, not much, right? No, not at all. Well, I mean, that is the great thing too. I've never spent a dollar on marketing in this business. Find, find a real estate business that you've spent $0 on marketing. Um, it, it's, I just don't know of many out there. So far, I've proven to be the worst uh, vacation rental host ever. So let me just, I'll give you my quick story. Yeah, let's so hear. So when COVID happened, I, I always wanted to buy like a little river house. And like, you know, the vision was buy a little river house, we'll stay at it, we'll Airbnb it, like we'll do all that stuff, right? So I found a killer house, great deal. It's amazing. I absolutely love it. And we love it so much. We don't want to friggin' rent it to anybody, right? My wife's like, I don't want to, I don't want to rent it, right? So I'm like, oh, okay, okay. So we just got done buying our second one in the same area 
it's not as cool as the first one. First okay. one is super cool. Um, but you know, we, we, we're going through the process of renovating it. So we're spending all the, the acquisition cost, the renovation cost, the furniture cost. I mean, we're going to be into this thing for quite, quite a bit of money right yeah. at, at the end of it. Um, but what I did was I, I I'm allowing my team to be able to buy into the asset itself. It's my way to help my team learn how to invest. Right. Nice. Uh, now that said, your way is probably a much better, most cost, more cost-effective, better return on <laughs> on investment way to do it. Um, but we're going through this process right now. Like, hey, analyzing things through AirDNA, looking at comps, asking myself the question, very important question, I think. What would happen if we couldn't Airbnb this yeah. for whatever reason, right? Like, what is the floor on this thing as a long-term rental? Yeah. Uh, could we pivot it to a corporate rental, right? Um which is kind of the same thing. So, you know, so far right now, I've just been spending a lot of money in my Airbnb journey and not seeing a return, but I'm having a lot of fun. So I'll report it, back soon enough. And and just just like if you were to go and, and buy a flip, right? If the market flips on you while you're in the middle of renovations, like can you refinance this thing and do it as a long-term rental? Can you, yep. um, you know, move into yourself? Like, you know, you have multiple exit strategies that you're kind of taking yourself through and the same thing happens for short-term rentals. If you're, if you're a savvy investor, I'd want to know, yeah. Okay. What about a midterm rental? What about, mm -hmm. you know, um, just let's call it three to six months students and government and and uh, maybe even insurance claims, you know, the, mm -hmm. okay, can it be successful? Yeah, it can. What about just as a furnished rental, 12 months furnished rental? If I can get three to $400 more than a regular rental, mm -hmm. am, am I able to make more money? Okay, cool. That works out too. And then, you know, just playing those, those scenarios out in your head um, so that you know, like, yeah, worst case scenario, at least I'm, I mean, we don't want to just break even, right? That's not feeling like a yeah. great investment, especially if we don't own the property. But if you do own the property, at the very least, breaking even. Actually, now that I think about it, my first one was a condo in St. Pete, Florida that I bought four years ago that it's been a furnished rental. And that's been great, right? Nice. But I, I never thought of it as a vacation that, you know, that there's the condo docs stipulate you can't do vacation rentals there. But it's been a long-term furnished rental and we've done well. You know, years ago, um, I owned a recruiting business. And when the dot-com implosion happened, we had the pivot. It was like nobody was hiring tech salespeople. And I remember I started looking at the industry a little bit and traveling nurses. Oh, yeah. Like, were like huge. I mean, that was like a thing. And I'm now, as you're talking, thinking, wow, you know, you could literally be renting to traveling nurses because that's still a thing. That's a big thing, right? All over the world. Right. Oh, and that's honestly why I'm trying to find a, a six, eight, 10 unit you know, a little mini almost motel here mm. in Fresno. The tough part is finding them in a good area. But if I can find one in a good area or even say take a, a giant house and turn it into a three, four, five unit type of feel, um, there's so many traveling nurses coming to Fresno right now ever since COVID. And it's just like, I want to fill that need because every single one of our little one bedroom, one baths that would typically, you know, gross maybe 900 to to $1,000 are grossing... Two thousand twenty five hundred dollars on Airbnb. 